and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season three, episode five, Homecoming. So much fun. So much fun. And I like, I, whew, so many thoughts. Lots of thoughts. Yes. Lots of thoughts. Um, there are no announcements this week, which is good because like we just said, I had way more thoughts on this episode than I thought I did. So there's tons yeah. to talk about. This is going to be another therapy episode. This is going to be a therapy episode. I definitely have like Mary's tragic backstory somewhere in my notes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's going to be, there's going to be some therapy and, and a lot of us ranting and whew. yeah, we're mad at, we're mad at basically everybody. This we are week. so mad at like everyone. Oh, children. Yeah. All right. But let's get into it. Beauty and the Beast, it aired October no, 20th. No, no, no. No, shit. I did not change that. <laughs> I changed everything else except that. I'm going to change it in my notes now, even though it doesn't matter. Because I already know. Let's try that again. Homecoming. It aired October 27th, 1998. And our synopsis is, Homecoming Queen wannabes Buffy and Cordelia make the cut during Mr. Trick's Slayer Fest 98. <laughs> Meanwhile, Xander and Willow cross a line while prepping for the dance. So mad. That is a very good... I am proud of their synopsis this week. Yes, yes. This was a very, a very concise, a very... They did very well this week. They did do very well. So what are our international titles? So we do have several this week, and they really do go a gambit of different ways, which is homecoming. I guess homecoming is a very American. It is a very American thing. Yeah. So it's going to be reflected. There were some that did have homecoming, but I feel like some of these might be reflected more in like their cult, you know, the culture of where the different titles come from. So in Armenian, we have the queen of the dance. Which just makes me think of the Lord of the Dance. See, it makes me think of the Queen of the Damned. That's true. So I really See, like we it. went we went two separate directions with yeah. that. Yeah. In Czech, it's just school dance. Okay. French is the end of the year dance. But it's not not the end no. of the year. No, no. Shh. Do better, France. Do better. We we expect better of you, France. German is, as always, so dramatic. Yes. The agony of choice. Oh, I do like that. <laughs> In Italian, it's the end of course dance. Okay, that could make more sense because that could be that like makes, the end of yeah. a grading term. Yeah, that, that makes a little more sense. Japanese is school festival. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. Portuguese from Brazil, back to classes. Okay. <laughs> Romanian is just party. I like it. Yes, party. Russian is queen of the dance. Okay. Spanish, I feel like they took homecoming and made this title literal. So Spanish from Latin America is the welcome dance. Okay. Yeah, because that's kind of, you know, homecoming. Yeah, I mean, you're welcoming back alumni. Yeah. Yeah, you do your thing. And Spanish from Spain is just the dance. Okay. I think I like 
Queen of the Dance. But that's like, like I said, it's because it makes me think of Queen of the Dam. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how dramatic the Germans are. The Germans are so dramatic. I and know. we're going to see how dramatic oh, in this episode. That's, that's another reason why I like the German for this week, just because oh, we have... Oh, true. We have yes. Germans. Yes. So we may have to honor them this week. We may have to. Yes. Yes. So we have no previously on this week. We just go straight to the bronze where Buffy is moodily picking out her food while the gang talks about the homecoming dance. Cordelia thinks they should get a limo. Something Willow seconds. This is their last homecoming after all. They should make a big deal of it. And a limo sounds fun. Xander thinks a limo sounds expensive and suggests they all take the city bus. Now that, that is fun. You get to meet all sorts of interesting (laughs) people. I'm sitting here like, I don't know. You could just walk like you apparently do for every other school function. I know, I know. But I guess if you're in a pretty dress and high heels, you don't really want to walk. Oh, we're going to talk about that later, though. We are, yes. But see, we're, we're, I'm thinking from... You know, yeah, you don't want to walk. You, you may end up you, walking. Yes, but as every woman who has ever been in a horror movie situation, sometimes you do end up having to run in heels. That's true. And don't get me wrong. I am like 100% team limo. Oh, but yeah. But I just was like, mm, the bus, you could just walk there. I know. Every Everywhere else is walkable. And this goes back to where uh, I was thinking about when we were talking during Dead Man's Party. It's like... You, you walk, but then you just sometimes need to drive. Yeah. Oz says that if it's a money issue, they can just go in his van. Cordelia is appalled <laughs> by that idea. See, I um, love that idea. Uh, the homecoming queen does not arrive at the dance in a van. Xander points out that technically she hasn't been elected yet. When Cordy responds to that with a death glare, Xander says that she surely will be. And hey. Who likes the idea of a limo? <laughs> Willow points out that a private limo would be pretty cuddlesome. And if they all split the cost, she looks at Buffy, who seems to suddenly remember there are other people around. She says maybe if she goes, why wouldn't she go? She already has her tickets. Is this because she doesn't have a day? Willow stops as Scott joins them. Day or two to think about it? Because they should all think about it. Cordelia frowns. Why is everyone being so weird? Did Scott not ask Buffy to the dance or something? (laughs) The whole scene turns awkward. Buffy and Scott now put on the spot. Buffy thanks Cordelia for the humiliation. While Scott says he was just afraid that Buffy would find it corny or something. But he's in if she's in. Yeah, no, she's in. If he's in. Oz declares that the judge rules that is a yes. (laughs) Scott asks if Buffy wants another drink, and she says no. She's actually kind of tired and was going to head home. But she's excited about the dance. So is he. They kiss, and the scene changes to the mansion. Where Angel is pacing about, anxious, but having found a shirt. Uh, yeah, that's... It's unbuttoned, but he found a shirt. I mean, at least he's he's halfway there. Hearing a noise, he goes to the heavy velvet curtains that block the garden, pulling them open to reveal Buffy! who hands him a bag of blood she's obtained from the butchers. Following him inside, she asks how he's feeling, and he tells her it hurts. There's a few moments of extremely awkward silence. Oh, this whole, yeah. Everything, everything is awkward. Uh Uh-huh. Before Buffy tells him that she hasn't told the others about him and the fact that he's back. She doesn't plan to tell them either. She knows that they wouldn't understand, understand that he's better. And she's going to help him get better, but... Everything's different now. She's a senior. She's working harder at school, thinking about college, and she's involved with someone. At that little bombshell, Angel rolls around, 
a move that causes Buffy to flinch and <sighs> take a step back. Yeah, that's a sign of a healthy relationship. I feel so bad for Buffy going forward because we said before she had she said goodbye to Angel. She did. She was moving on with her life and now he's back. And yes, he's healed. He's better. But it can't go back to the way it was, which no, we'll see, which we'll see again going forward. Yeah. And Buffy, I get why Buffy wanted to keep it from everybody. But again, in the long run, it's just going to make everything worse. Mm-hmm. Ah, make better choices, people. He reaches out to adjust the collar of her jacket and she quickly takes over doing it herself. Buffy continues. There's someone, his name is Scott. He's a nice solid guy and he makes her happy and that's what she needs someone she can count on oh scott oh we were yeah. we were all we were rooting, rooting for you. you we were rooting for you scott and i i do wish they had kept him around longer yeah and like we just said had gone with this whole idea of buffy moving on and moving forward because i feel the alternative is just lazy. Like you're just yeah. going around in circles. We know she and Angel can't be together. Yeah. So unless you're gonna come up with a different end result, why are you why are you just circling? I know. And at this point, again, you know that it can't they can't be together. And Buffy, again, she tried to move on with her life and it just keeps coming back. Now, of course, this season we're moving towards Angel getting his own series yes so at that point then luckily she'll be able to start down her own path without him Mm -hmm. and he'll become a much more interesting character on his own he will he will he's a much more interesting character when yeah because again he's he's she's allowed to grow without him and he's allowed to grow without her exactly because his whole his whole existence in this series has been about buffy yeah it has literally It, it has and I mean, I get it. She's the title character. But I think we did a a big disservice to Angel because I think there was a lot of potential to explore his character when you still had Darla and the Master around. And especially when you had Spike and Drew around. Yeah. But since we see everything through the lens of Buffy, we're only seeing Angel as the love interest. And it's a huge disservice to the character. Yeah, because he does. I mean, I mean, we we rag on Angel a lot, you know, for good reason. But <laughs> but there there was so much potential with the character, which I'm glad then they get to explore it when yeah. he gets his own show. And then that show just becomes so ridiculous and fun. Oh, I'm so I'm, I'm excited to get there because like I said, like I've said a couple of times, I don't remember as much of Angel as I do. Of I Buffy, don't. So yeah. I'm very excited to like go re-explore. Yeah, that. I I got a lot. I. I was going on through a lot of stuff through the end of Buffy and Angel. So there's a lot of Buffy that I am going to be seeing again for the first time. So that's going to be fun. And yeah, there's a lot of Angel that's going to be fun to explore. And again, like we so much shit we'll talk about when we get to Angel wasn't fair and wasn't right. No. With poor charisma and the creator and, you know, we'll we'll go We'll go into yeah. that once well, we once we get there. Cool. We got, we've got time. Yeah, Whew. yeah, because we're not gonna do we're not gonna do Angel until we finish. Yeah, we're gonna go straight through Buffy and then we're gonna do Angel. Yep. Okay. 
Back to Buffy. All right. Sadly, Scott, like so many other failed interests, is doomed to let us down. (sighs) All of them. And so the very next scene is Scott and Buffy at school. Scott breaking up with her. And I mean, I hate this. I hate (sighs) this so much. But at the same time, I love the juxtaposition of the line about her being able to count on him. And then you just immediately seg into the, I don't think we should see each other anymore. Yeah, it, it definitely was a great setup the way that they they bridged from one scene to another. Buffy's completely caught off guard. He doesn't? Where was she? He tells her that before they were going out, she always seemed so full of life. And now, now she's just distracted all the time. Buffy tells him that she's getting better. And she promises from here on out, he is going to see a drastic distraction reduction. Did he try to talk to her at all? About her distraction. Like, I know, like, I'm not saying, like, probably, I'm saying more, like, behind the scenes type stuff. Like. (laughs) So I have some thoughts on that. So give me a second. Okay. All right. right. I'm getting ahead of you. Wow. (laughs) Drastic distraction reduction. Try saying that 10 times fast. I'm not even sure I could say that five times. I don't even want to try it. Yeah. Scott's really sorry. He walks away, leaving Buffy just standing there staring after him. As Buffy stands there, we learn she's being watched. But before we get to that, all right, so let's talk let's talk about this. Yes. So I know I'm like, oh, I hate everything about this. But I think my big problem with Scott and my like, oh, Scott, I was rooting for you is for the timing. Yeah. Like, I feel he should have waited until after the dance, especially as he said something to her about going in front of all her friends. Exactly. But I think what's really going on here is that these two tried dating at the end absolute worst time for the two of them absolutely to try to be in a relationship absolutely because you've got all the weirdness of Buffy coming home and then you've got the angel returning and then Scott's two best friends just like died slash murdered one another yeah and so they're just both in this state where they can't give the other what they wanted and or needed and I think that ties in the like did Scott try to talk to her Scott is also going through a ton of shit that's true Buffy probably wasn't noticing what was going on with him as much as he doesn't know what's going on with her. Yeah. And that's why I'm like, "Eh, I think it was just wrong time. And this is just some classic, just nobody's communicating with each other. Right. I think if she had met him later on, like if she had met him in college, like if he had been the replacement for Riley, I think it would have been a fantastic couple. I think though, like... He should have waited until after the dance. Oh, absolutely. He should have waited until after the dance. Like, that's why I just said my problem is the timing. Or just maybe like, I I know doing it at school saves on locations and timing and stuff. Like, there should have been a sit down moment where he was like, hey, this is going on. And and again, like, it's, it's just all for logistic issues with the series. But, you know, in real life, he would have sat down with her and said, hey, you know, I'm not at a good point in my life. You're obviously having a difficulty. But then again, they're they're teenagers. Yeah. They they think they don't have the the insight that we as very mature adults. I know. As, as as a as somebody who's been married for almost two decades. <laughs> yeah. It uh yeah. Yeah, we can we can chalk it up to just being te- I don't even remember being a teenager. That's how old I am, so <laughs> oh. anyway. I blocked out a lot of that. 
the sketchy ass man that is watching Buffy. Inside is a pair of twins. Yeah, they're twins, right? They look remarkably think, yeah. alike. Yeah. I think they're twins or brothers or. Well, they're definitely brothers, but I think yeah. they're twins. Yeah. And a bunch of high tech spy equipment. One of them hooks up the binoculars, the other is using to a bunch of screens before also hooking up a very 90s flip phone. Oh, God, the phone. <laughs> the phone dials. Working, I believe, as a modem and allowing their oh. hookup to talk to the hookup of an older gentleman currently hanging out with Mr. Trek. Oh, yeah, that the 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 tech setup of this scene is just so 1990s. There is no doubt about it. He asks Trick if Buffy is her and Trick tells him, yep, she's the target. Credits. Still awesome. I was going to say, yes, they are twins. Okay. <laughs> Still awesome. So, you know, <laughs> TikTok has this one video sound and it's like, what is the one theme song you never skip no matter what? And I definitely need to put that sound on our account with the Buffy theme song because oh, no, no, yeah. you never skip no, the Buffy no. theme song. No, I never, never skip the intro, and especially in season three when we get the iconic oh, yeah. mix of it. Also, I watch these credits a lot. A lot. Oh, oh and yeah. And so I don't always think about all the shots that are in them, but I did notice when I was watching this week that Angelus snapping Jenny's neck is in the credits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? Rude. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and again, I, I think I said in another episode that it also has Giles smelling the rose. I've, I've, I know it has that. And I think that shot stays in a lot of the seasons. Yeah. It's, just, it's a great shot of Tony. It's a great shot of Tony. And and also because you don't get Giles smiling a lot. Mm-hmm. But yes, yes. I, I don't remember when I noticed that Angela's killing Jenny was in the... But, Thanks. Thanks, show. Thank you for... Right? Now we have to watch it every week. Every week. We love watching the credits and you make us watch that. Thank you. <sighs> we return from the credits to the mayor's office. Oh, yay. Yay! We finally get the mayor. Yes. I don't know why I thought we didn't see him till Band Candy. I mean, I'm not I... going to argue about more mayor. Yeah. But I, I don't... I forgot he comes in in this episode. Yeah. I always forget when he comes in. Like there's there's a part of me that was always like I thought he came in later and then I thought he comes in sooner. But this is a great place for him to start. A very nervous looking aide who we learn is named Alan is oh, told Alan. that the mayor can see him and he goes inside apologizing for bothering him. The mayor isn't bothered, however, and takes the file from Alan looking it over and sniffing it. <laughs> As Alan explains to the twins, Frederick and Hans oh, Gruen yeah. scholar were spotted in town a few days ago. Seems they have quite the rap sheet and are wanted in Germany for both murder and acts of terrorism. Alan knows he should have brought it to the mayor sooner, but he wanted to confirm. The mayor, however, is more concerned with the state of Alan's hands. Oh, Alan. And asks to see them. He lays them on the desk and the mayor tells him that they could be cleaner. He needs to wash them after every meal, including under the fingernails. Dirt gets trapped there. And germs. And mayonnaise. <laughs> His dear mother used to say that cleanliness was next to godliness. And you know what? He never got sick. He'd like the Germans put under surveillance. And if Alan could find out if any other colorful characters have arrived in town, Alan says he'll get right on it. And the mayor tells him that he has his complete faith. This intro is spectacular. 
spectacular. I love everything about this. And I love how terrified Alan looks. That's the thing. So we've been building up to the mayor since last season. Yeah. We know that Snyder is terrified of upsetting him. And Alan looks scared to death in this entire scene. When he has him put his hands down on the desk, he is shaking. Like his hands are trembling. Yeah, because you're like, oh, and like as an audience member watching this for the first time, you're like, oh shit, is he going to cut off his hands? Like, what the hell is going on? And no, no, we're shown this very personable guy who is concerned with germs and acts like everyone's dorky dad. Yeah, and and you see, you see as his appearances come on, he seems just like, again, like the affable, kind of outdated image of a dad. Yeah. And I mean, and it ramps up your anxiety and it puts you in like the situation of Alan because this whole scene, you're waiting for the mayor to like lash out or do something because why is everyone so afraid of him? Yep. And you just, you don't find out. And it just, it adds to the mystery and it's the sense of dread and it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Wilkins has always been one of my favorite bad guys, not just in Buffy, but in in general. Oh, absolutely. Because especially the like like you said, the build up to it where you know everybody's afraid of the mayor. And you're expecting this guy who is big and mean and awful, but he just seems like a regular guy and that makes him terrifying. Because oh, yeah. apparently like Alan knows that something can happen at any moment. And mm-hmm. that's why he's afraid of him. So he doesn't know what side of the mayor he's going to get when he comes into that office. Yep. The mayor, by the way, is played by Harry Groner, an immensely talented actor. So awesome. Who has done both stage and screen. He's done everything. And I mean, everything. He is another think, great character actor. I think before Buffy, most people, well, probably our parents, would recognize him from Dear John. Yeah. Where he played Ralph because he was on the entire run of that show. Yep. But he also did episodes of Remington Steel, Murphy Brown, Quantum Leap. And following Buffy, he actually reunited with Allison when he played Clint, Ted's stepfather on How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I. But again, like he will always be the mayor. Uh-huh. Then we're back at Sunnydale High, where it's school pictures. Cordy, Xander, Willow, and Oz all get their pictures taken in an adorable little montage. I love, I love all of their, their photos. Yes. As they leave the little makeshift studio, Willow tells Xander that she needs his help picking out an outfit. She wants to wear something that will make Oz go, wow. As they approach Cordy, Xander asks what she's doing, and she tells him that she's scooping out the... And she uses this phrase laughingly. Competition. She tells us Holly is a nice girl, but kind of dumb. And doesn't stand a chance. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Every time I had to write like Holly in my notes, I was like, this is going to get really confusing. (laughs) Okay. So for those of you who don't know, my name, surprisingly enough, is not really Froggy. (laughs) What? Shock. I know. my, My mom did not name me Froggy. My actual name is Holly. So... Yes, that's why we are cracking up over over this. Yeah, it's it's always and Holly is not a name that you you get a lot in media. No. So when I hear it, it just makes my brain click. And Michelle, well, Michelle, she kind of slut shames, and we're not here for that. No, Do better, no, 
no. Well, Cordy needs to do better a lot in this episode. <sighs> I, yeah, I'm going to be really mad at Cordy. I'm really mad at a lot of people this episode, but yeah. I am especially mad at Cordy. Yeah, Cordy, Cordy is like first season Cordy in this episode. Willow worries that Buffy's going to miss the yearbook photos, and Xander says that Buffy and Faith are in the library getting sweaty. When Cordelia says they're training, Xander responds that he stands by his phrasing. Alice doesn't think Buffy was in school the day they announced the photos. And Cordy says she'll tell her. She's got to pass the library anyway. She's going to get a nice pack. Could she hurt herself? Xander is genuinely concerned, which Cordy does seem touched by, even as she bats him away and laughs and tells him that no, it shrinks the pores. Do they not have a makeup day? Uh, I don't know. I guess not. I'm just laughing because, like, I remember seeing your photos. There was a makeup day. Like, if you couldn't. Actually, we had to go somewhere else to get our photos taken. Yeah, I was going to say, seeing your photos, you submitted your own. Yeah, yeah. We had a, we had a place that we had to go to get them done. I think we could go to any like glamour shots or Sears or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, get it we, done. But yeah, we had to submit our own. Yeah, we had a studio. We had a studio that we could go to to make like we could make an appointment at any time to go to, and then they would send them into school. You see, my school was small enough that each senior got a page. Well, yeah, yeah, you had you had kilts, so we had we had kilts. You had kilts and no boys. Kilts and no boys. According to Buffy, I had the worst school experience. Yeah. But that's not true. I had a great school experience. No. Buffy was just being a dramatic teenager. In the library, Buffy and Faith are indeed getting sweaty as Buffy takes out all her frustrations about the breakup (laughs) on the pads that Faith is holding. As they finish up, Faith tells Buffy that guys should break up with her more often. (laughs) Gee, thanks. No, she's just saying the whole channel in the rage thing. It's really giving her an edge. Edge girl. Just what Buffy wants to be. Faith tells her to forget him, get back out there, and have some fun. She's still going to the dance, right? Buffy's not sure. Well, she has the tickets, right? Why don't they go together? She doesn't know about that. Come on, they'll find some studs, use them, then discard them. (laughs) Because what else are they good for? All right, Buffy's in. But not for the stud using part. Or, well, probably not. (laughs) Cordy goes to enter, but then two guys pass, and she opts to talk to them instead, (sighs) asking where the love is and angling to get their votes for homecoming queen. This is why you don't send Cordy to do anything. No. Which is when we switch to the courtyard. As a teacher comes down the steps, Buffy hurries to catch up with her. Turns out she still needs a recommendation from a teacher. Been like a month. Yeah. I think Snyder would have made her get those like the first week. You know what? I think Giles okay. put the fear of the Ripper into, into Snyder, Snyder, so he's not pushing his luck. That's fair. Speaking of Snyder, the word he used was glowy, just to get a <laughs> glowing recommendation. Yes. The teacher asks who Buffy is, and she tells her that she took her class. Third row, sat by the window. Her class which was on contemporary female heroes, Amelia Earhart to Maya Angelou, changed her life. Was she absent a lot? Poor Buffy. <laughs> I know. She is seriously bummed, sitting in the cafeteria, just kind of staring ahead as the others eat, and Cordy continues to campaign. She can't believe it. Her favorite teacher, and she didn't even remember her. It's like she's an odd person. She starts waving her hand in front of Oz's face. He can see her, right? <laughs> Not invisible. 
Biggest wife. Buffy says that at Henry, she was prom princess. Fiesta queen. She was on the cheerleading squad. The yearbook was like the story of her. Nice to, it's nice to get a little reminder of uh, yeah, yeah. Buffy. Yeah, that she, she you know, we, we, we know that Buffy went to Henry and all the stuff that she did. But here, she's going to be one lousy photo on one eighth of a page. Xander tells her that actually, no, she's not. She missed school pictures. What? When? Yesterday? Didn't Cordelia tell her? Okay, if they don't know whether Cordelia told her or not, how do they know she missed the... the, there's, There's so much inconsistency, especially like... So did they only mention in passing to these kids once that school pictures... Right? Like, shouldn't there have been, like, There's flyers usually, up throughout the school, like, remember, like, Tuesday school, or school and, announcements? And going from going from being a parent, they send a form home that your parent has to fill out because they're purchasing photos. Who knows? Sunnydale's a weird place. Sunnydale, sun, like, I know, again, a lot of it is just for drama and plot purposes, but this school really needs to get their shit together with their planning. Yes, they do. Yeah, because do they not have a school calendar or, again, flyers remind it? Because, okay, Buffy is Buffy. Yes. But what about, you know, Tammy over here who was out with a stomach bug on that day? Right. She doesn't know about the pictures because she was out on that day, too. I also have a hard time believing, like, especially with the breakup. And we've seen that Willow and Buffy talk on the phone all the time. That like they didn't talk the night before. And Willow wasn't like, hey, don't forget tomorrow's school picture day. Or like, what are you wearing for school pictures? Yeah. It's like everybody's being a bad friend right now. Everybody is being a bad friend. Everybody so many is- people are bad friends in this episode. Everybody is being a bad friend because... In a weird twist of fate, Faith is the only person being a good friend. Faith, yes, yes. Faith is the only one being a good friend at the, you know, at the party. It's, I just have so many problems with (sighs) a lot of things. (laughs) Getting up, Buffy goes to find Cordelia, who is still passing out flyers. Cordelia starts to tell Buffy how cute she looks before Buffy makes it clear that she's not voting for Cordelia. So instead, she tells her to make it snappy. Why didn't she tell her about the yearbook photos? Didn't she? Oh, she guesses she forgot. What's the big deal? The big deal is she could have thought of someone besides herself for 30 seconds. Cordelia says that she is under a lot of pressure. Yeah, campaigning. Tough gig. Cordelia says, what would Buffy know about it? Just because she was guacamole queen when she was three. Buffy says she knows it involves passing out lame photos. Actually, it involves being part of the school and having actual friends. Okay, hold up. Hold up. One, I give Buffy all the props and I will continue to give Buffy all the props for not smacking the shit out of Cordelia during this conversation or any conversation that follows. Oh, yeah. Two, Cordy, your whole campaign team, as we will see, is made up of Buffy's friends. Buffy's friends. Yep. The people that for the last two years, you could barely be able to talk to. So I'm going to need you to shut it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that whole that whole thing. And because Cordelia, you know, she has you know, she has her her crew, but she was taking Buffy's friends. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. So yes, Cordy has a bigger presence in the school because she is still on the cheerleading squad. She was May Queen or whatever their first year. 
And she does still, I guess, occasionally hang out with Harmony and the other. But she hangs out with Buffy's friends. Yeah. When it comes to actual friends, they have the exact same number and they were Buffy's friends first. Yeah. I I am so I am so yeah. mad at Cordelia. Yeah, this so was, and I'm just gonna get more mad at her. Oh, it's gonna get worse, people. Buckle up. We are gonna be we are gonna be very very mad at Cordy. And she continues. If this was about monsters, blood, and innards, Buffy would be a shoe in. She'd love to see Buffy try and win the crown again. This is Sunnydale. Everything is about monsters, blood, and innards. Cordy, you would be dead twenty times over if it weren't for Buffy. And Cordy, everything that comes next, you just brought on yourself. Yep. She would, then she will. Cordy asks what that means, and Buffy says she's going to show her how it's done. Cordy tells her this whole thing is just starting to be sad. But Buffy, Buffy tells Cordy that she has no idea who she's messing with. Who? The Slayer? Oh no, not the Slayer. Buffy. Cordy has awoken the prom queen within. And that crown, it's going to be Buffy's. We leave this little showdown and go to check in on Trick and the other colorful characters who have come <laughs> to town. Trick talking about competition, how it's a beautiful thing that makes us strive, makes us accomplished, and occasionally makes us kill. We all have a desire to win, whether you're human, vampire, or whatever the last guy is with his spiny looking head thing. <laughs> spiny, spiny head says he is Kulak from the Miquak clan. And Trick is just like, yeah, that's nice. (laughs) Oh, we love Mr. Trick. This little speech is used to introduce us to the other participants of Trick's game. We see the twins again, along with a hunter-like dude who is human. And our vampire is none other than Lyle Gorch. Oh, Lyle. Back again, and this time with his lovely vampire bride. Aw. Good for him. And congrats. Good for Lyle. I... I really wish we would have had more of the Gorches. Right. Lyle's is another person I'm not mad at during this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For for all that he's hunting Buffy, I, I and you know what? I love that he found love for himself. Right. I do. I'm, I'm very proud of him living his best vampire life. Because I, I feel like, again, that just goes to show that vampires do find love. Yeah. And he probably turned her. He probably did. Yeah. He probably did. Yeah. Trick says all of them are there for the one purpose. And Lyle hopes it's not a philosophy class. What an odd thing to say. It, Lyle is not the... <laughs> I mean, I understand. It's Lyle. <laughs> Trick reminds him that his deposit has not been paid. And Lyle says that he and Candy, his new wife, are blowing their whole honeymoon stash on this. Right before he dumps several stacks of bloody bills onto the table. <laughs> They're dirty. They're non-consecutive. Appeased by that, Trick continues, the games will begin in a few days. The first target, Buffy, they've all seen. The second, Faith, is a little more elusive, but they'll be together and ripe for the killing. That's a money-back guarantee. Ladies, gentlemen, spiny-headed-looking creatures, (laughs) welcome to Slayerfest 98. Two things, both of which I think I've mentioned before, but I'm going to mention them again because we're at the episode. Yep. Spiny-headed looking creatures. Oh, we love a spiny-headed looking creature. We love a spiny-headed looking creature. And and I, Jackie and I say it all the time. Oh yeah, we, we do this, we do this all the time. Anytime, like, we see something with spines or anything, like. You're listing things and you just got to add and spiny-headed looking creatures. Yeah, we, 
it's such a random thing and it's only one episode, but yeah. it's something that has stuck with us for two decades. Um, it's the same as Slayer Fest 98. For yeah. years, years, every party we threw, every Buffy Marathon weekend was Slayer Fest, whatever year it was. Yeah, it, it, this episode really, for, for one-off concept, just stuck in there yeah it kind of makes me want to bring it back for like my birthday this year like throw a big party and have it be slayer fest 22 yeah that would be fun i know i think i'm gonna i'm gonna think on that we'll we'll uh we'll 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 workshop this yes from there we go to willow's room and oh boy it's time for the moment (sighs) that as a 15 year old got all my hopes up and as an almost 40 year old makes me go no bad what are you doing i am gonna be honest when I was rewatching the episode for today, I skipped this part because I could bear to watch it again. <laughs> uh, I, on the opposite end of the spectrum, rewound it to watch it again because I still hope it's going to end differently and that they're going to be together because there's still a part of 15 year old Mary very deep <laughs> in me. Willow emerges from behind a changing wall divider thing. I forget what they're actually called. Screen. Thank you. Oh, yes. yeah. Changing screen. <laughs> and ask Xander what he thinks of the skirt shirt combination she's wearing. Xander, who's getting his tux all situated, says, it's nice. Willow, I think, is hoping for better than nice, as this is her first big dance where there's a boy and a band. Earlier, didn't they make a big deal out of this because it was their last homecoming? Implied that they had gone to earlier homecomings? Um, and what about the May Queen dance? They all went to that following the destruction of the Hellmouth. And then there was the World Cultures dance. Willow, you've been to dances. <laughs> I mean, she hasn't been to one since she's had a steady boyfriend. And maybe that's what she's trying to say. Yes. But still, she has been to dances. This is the first dance where she's trying to wow a boy. Except that her next line is not just me in my room alone pretending there's a boy in a band, which again implies that she hasn't been to a dance, but she has been. Ah, let's sigh. Ah, continuity. Still, she wants it to be special. Xander gets it. That's why he spared no expense on the tux. Expense? Well, he thought he borrowed it from his cousin. That's when Xander explains he's talking about the expense on his pride. Because the cousin he borrowed it from is part of his only relations with money, and they shun them like they should. That like they should is Xander's line. I'm not like adding that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I love Xander. I do not believe he should be shunned. At least yeah. for borrowing a tux. No. Willow comes out in another shirt-skirt combo, and Xander once again says, it's nice. Because who doesn't borrow a tux? Like... Everybody. <laughs> yeah. Or you rent one. Like, nobody yeah. goes out and buys a tux for prom. It's be- yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Willow then goes to help Xander with his bow tie. She smiles and Xander asks, what? Does he remember the eighth grade cotillion? He had that clip on? Oh, yeah. He was stylish in that clip on. Willow can't believe that they're now at homecoming. Xander says she just has to face the facts. They're going to be old and gray and in neighboring West homes with him <laughs> coming over every day so that she can adjust his... Well, he can't think of anything that isn't really gross. (laughs) So Willow finishes up his tie and heads back behind the divider. As she tries on her next option, Xander talks about her and Oz. Are they on first, second, or gigads? Willow tells him that's none of his business and calls him Alexander. Aww. Which I love. That That is cute. I also love that Xander knows exactly what that little objection means as he puts them at rounding second. Willow says he doesn't know that. 
before asking about him and Cordy. Oh, a gentleman never discusses his conquests. <laughs> Willow starts to step out. She asks when he became a gentleman and oh boy, the look these two give each other. Aww. Xander's standing there in his tux. Willow's in this long black dress. She can't believe how amazing he looks. And he, when Willow says she knows, it's nice. He tells her that he was going to go with Gorgeous. Really? Him too, in a guy way. <laughs> Xander tells her that Oz is very lucky. And she says, so is Cordelia in a girl way. And oh my God, the squealing that occurred the first time I watched this. I am fairly certain that I was like legit sitting on the edge of the kitchen (laughs) chair, possibly even like leaning forward and tipping the chair with me because I, I as a 15 year old was like willing into existence. (laughs) What happens next? Yeah. Looking down at the dress, she says she doesn't even know if she can dance in it. Or if she can dance at all. Waving her over, Xander says it's a piece of cake. He takes her hand, arm wrapping around her waist. And after a moment of figuring out what's the most comfortable, they're dancing. Swaying back and forth to possibly music coming from Willow's radio. I don't know. We hear music. We hear, yeah. They hear music. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. You never know when music really exists in these things or not. They get closer and Willow says it doesn't seem to be a problem. No, Xander agrees. No problem at all. They continue swaying. Their faces getting closer and closer until eventually they kiss. They kiss. And I know I said I was very disappointed in them. I Even now I made a little meep. Yeah, yeah. Mary, Mary looks like she's 15 years old again. I just wanted them to be together so bad. See... I had wanted them to be together until they had their respective partners. And then I was, I was always disappointed mom, even as a teenager. (laughs) I can see that. I did not know probably when we were teenagers, but I feel if I did, she would have been the disappointed mom. I was like, no. I would. Yeah. I I think I've, I've always been disappointed mom. I, I feel like I was thinking, look at your life, look at your choices at the two of them. It just, I, like I love I do love the idea of Xander and Willow. I do yes. love the whole the whole best friends that fall in love oh, with each other. I'm such I'm so weak for the best friends to lovers trope. I'm so weak. Like I love I love best friends to lovers, but the fact that Willow was so happy with Oz and they stay Trust. together. Like we, we know We know they stay together. We know they have a difficult time for a while. And, you know, we know what happens with Cordy and Xander, which Cordy and Xander were never destined to be an endgame couple. You know, they're never destined to be a... But, like, I could have seen Willow and Oz going much further. You know, and again, things happen, you know, and this is is not taking into account all the stuff that, you know... They could have gone. They could have gone longer. They could like Willow and Oz could have been a long term couple had it not been for all the werewolfy shit that, you know. Yeah. And if Seth hadn't wanted to leave the show, they would have yeah. been together much longer. Yeah. Yeah. So we 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 blame Seth, but it's OK. <laughs> we, we like where Willow ends up later. We do. We do. But yeah, like Willow and Oz, they just I love them because he appreciated her for who she was. Yes. No, he did. But okay. So following on your stuff, I'm going to jump ahead like two paragraphs in my notes and then we'll go back because mm-hmm. I do, I do have something on this because like 
as much as I am like 15 year old and squeeing over this, I, I do hate like everything this storyline brings up. Yeah. And he said there were there would be better ways of splitting Xander and Cordy up. Um, like, you know, what happens at the end of the season. Yep. But there, I give them a little bit more leeway because you had to split them up in a way that would also bring in Anya. Mm-hmm. So you need Cordy to be angry. But I guess yeah. you could have just done another Vengeance Demon episode. Yeah. It had, like, Xander run into Anya. So there there were different ways you could have done that. Yeah. I, I just hate... I, I always... It's the way that I feel about stuff like this is it's kind of lazy. Yes. And okay. So that's in my notes too, because this isn't the only television show that's done this. Yes. Like, I feel like if you're going to do something like this, if you're going to pull something that could possibly damage the relationships within a tight knit group, there has to be something that comes from it. Yes. And I'm not talking about the breakup because yeah, yeah. that there, like I said, there were other ways we could have done that. You needed to put Xander and Willow together then yeah. to make this worth it. Yep. Yeah. Or, I don't know. You, you had to do something. And we're going to talk about this later. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to Lover's Walk. But Willow doesn't suffer any consequences of this. No, no. Like there, there are, there is a little bit of her having to grovel. Yeah. I mean, people talk all the time about like how Xander is never called out for this and he was awful to Cordy and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But if I remember correctly... Oz looks sad for about 2.4 seconds. And he forgives her. And then he and Willow continue on their relationship. He, yeah, he forgives, Oz forgives her very quickly. Like, and this is never brought up again. Not even when she gets on Oz and is like, were you with Veruca? He could have very well said like, you know, like you were with Xander. Yeah. It never is brought, Willow never suffers any consequence from this. It is all on Xander. Yep. Yeah, and that's like again when we get to when we get to lovers walk, we'll yeah we'll, we'll talk, really get, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, but that is that's that's again that again just goes to how yes Xander again we 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 call Xander out on his shit when it happens, but I feel like people just bring a lot of things on Xander that don't have to be on Xander or just on Xander. Yeah, it takes two to tango, people. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Both of them, both of them fucked up mm-hmm. and they should both have consequences. You know, even if Willow and Oz, you know, would get back together because he is a, you know, pretty chill and understanding guy. But there should have been more for Willow, too. Yeah, because they do know it's wrong and, and they jump apart because that did not just happen. Nope. Well, it did. But still, <laughs> Xander could never. He respects Willow and Oz. Willow could never either. It has to be the clothes. It's a fluke. <laughs> a clothes fluke. And Xander says there will be no more fluking ever. <laughs> and yet they almost fluke again. But they catch themselves and declare they need to get out of the clothes immediately. <laughs> or once Willow is back behind the safety divider. Yeah. Yeah. Back at Sunnydale High, Buffy has gathered Willow, Xander, and Oz in the library, explaining to them how campaigning is like a war. It's won or lost in the trenches. In her competition, Holly, Michelle, and Cordelia all have big head starts. This leads to her making a joke about the size of Cordelia's head. And it just doesn't go over well. The laughs, they do not come. I like how obviously far apart Xander and Willow are sitting. Okay, okay. She gets it. Making fun of the competition is childish. Point is, this is just like any other popularity contest. 
She's done it before. The only difference is this time she is not actually popular, but she's not completely unpopular either. A lot of people came to her welcome home party. Willow points <laughs> out that they were killed by zombies. Good point. All right, here's the plan. She's going to need a database, see who's from them and who's on the fence. Willow can do that. Oz, she needs to reach out to the fringe. Musicians, those not normally inclined to vote. And Xander, she stops as Cordy enters the room. Look, Buffy knows this is awkward, but she doesn't see any reason that they can't all get along during this. They're almost friends, and they all are riding in together in the limo. Cordelia agrees. Willow, how's that database coming? She says it's almost done. And Xander, he got her new flyers. Great. Getting up, Xander says Cordy's his girlfriend. Willow's excuse is Cordy needs it more. And Oz, well, where Willow goes, so goes his nation. <laughs> they all end up standing behind Cordy, who just, I want to smack her so much. Oh, I am so mad. I am just, I am so her angry. Her smug ass little expression. Yeah. As she thanks Buffy for what she just said, she thinks they're getting along great. They leave and Buffy once again is left standing there alone until Giles comes up commenting that it seems like a lot of fuss for a little title. No fun if you don't try your best. As long as fun is still in the mix. Yeah, sure. Not like anyone takes it that seriously as Buffy shatters the bottle she's holding. (laughs) So a few things about this scene because oh, 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 do I have thoughts? So many thoughts. Um, I think this was the scene where I that I was up to when I messaged you about being unhealthy levels of angry at Cordelia. Okay. Okay. Because this is like, I and I mean, I did not even realize I was going to get more angry. Oh, like, it, this was yeah. the where I was just like, oh my God, I, I'm so mad at her. Yeah. Because this goes back to what we were talking about, Buffy's friends. Yeah. And that's the thing. So I'm I'm mad at like everyone right now. I'm really mad at the gang. First off, they should have said something to Buffy the moment they came in the library. Yeah. Instead of sitting there looking guilty. Yeah. And I'm mostly angry at Willow because yes, Xander is Cordy's boyfriend. He was yes. always going to vote for her. Yes. We knew that. And being the boyfriend, he is of course going to get conscripted into the campaign. Of course. That is just the way of the world. And we we he probably was already he like he should have said from day one that he was helping out Cordy because girlfriend. Yeah. Like that makes sense. But I'm also, I'm still mad at Willow. We're going to get to why I'm mad at Willow. But I also like, where was Buffy when it was all decided they were going to help Cordy? Like, I feel like she would have been near that conversation. Unless Cordy was just being shady and. Yeah, but I feel like she would have had to have asked them to help her before. I don't know. Maybe she did ask after Buffy decided she was running. And at that point, Cordy's a major bitch. Yeah, every just the only person I'm not mad at is Oz. Right? Like Oz is just like, ah, what are you going to do? I got to go with my girlfriend. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, okay, Oz. Because Oz is like the least confrontational person. He's just like, look, you get it, right? I I can't. (laughs) (sighs) But okay, Willow. So we know as the audience that a huge part of Willow's loyalty to Cordy is guilt. Mm-hmm. She and Xander have mad guilt about what just happened. Yep. But Willow should have been able to take a neutral stand and just said something like she was going to help both camps or none of all. Because if yeah. she's polling people to make a database, it's super easy to give the printouts to both parties. Mm-hmm. That's just data. It doesn't give yeah. either one of them an edge. It lets them both know the people they have to go after. Yes. Like, that's literally just data. That's neutral. And she should have 
done that. And she and Buffy just had that conversation about needing to be there for one another. Yep. And, and she's Buffy's not boyfriend just broke up with her. Yep. So you yeah. know what? No, Cordy doesn't need this more than Buffy. No, no, she doesn't. Buffy, like, how does how does Cordy, Cordy, who is already popular, how does Cordy need this more than Buffy? I just I did not understand that line at all. And even if Cordy needed the win more, Cordy definitely didn't need Willow more. Yeah. And how does Cordy need the win more than Buffy? I don't know. I'm just, I'm really mad at everyone right now. Yeah. Willow, you are being a bad, really bad best friend right now. So let's, let's switch gears for a second and talk about the board because I'm not mad oh, at the board. Oh, but also one second, one second. I want to say she's also been a really bad best friend for a while because she didn't tell her, remind her friend about picture day or anything. Like yeah, there's been no discussion cool. about that. Willow is just a really bad bestie in this episode. Willow, we love Willow. We love Willow a lot, but she is not being the best friend she should be. No. All right. So bored because I'm not mad. Yes, I love the board. You know what? The board is amazing. It's hilarious. Does not make me mad. I like how Cordy's weaknesses involve Brie Brie. and Xander. Yeah. (laughs) While Michelle's include PB crazed and where's polyester. (laughs) I am pretty sure my weaknesses would also include PB crazed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michelle's also includes never studies, while Holly's includes always studying. <laughs> I feel called out for that. But none of Holly's other ones are actually entertaining, which is yeah. sad. Yeah. Um, you'll also notice in this scene that Sarah's sweater sleeves look a little weird. One stops at her wrist while the other goes halfway down her hand. That is because during the filming of this episode, Sarah broke a bone in her hand. And so the sweater is covering up the cast. Yeah, yeah. The tiniest bit of which uh, peeks out during her discussion with Giles. Yep. We move from the library to the obligatory montage Buffy and Cordelia campaigning while those gathered for Slayer Fest 98 also prepare. It's very fun, um, especially the the song that they chose to go over this montage. Yeah. The montage pauses for a moment as coming down the steps of the courtyard, Buffy runs into Scott. Literally. (laughs) She drops her flyers and he helps to pick them up saying he heard she was doing this. Yeah, well, it's something to pass the time. Silly, really. He doesn't think so and tells Buffy that for what it's worth, she has his vote. She starts to tell him that it's not necessary, but then stops herself, instead thanking him. As he walks away, she checks him off her list. Sneaky, sneaky. Oh, yeah. Especially as she immediately drops her folder to get another guy's attention. I love her. I love her. Oops. Reaction. I know. Her little, like, the hand. That's so yeah. cute. It, it's Sarah. Sarah is just so cute in this whole, this whole scene. Like, actually, Sarah in this entire episode. Yes. Like, uh, my favorite look is the next one where she where we go back on the campaign trail and she's decked out in the Leatherman's jacket and yes. the butterfly clips. Yes. Yeah. They're they really did they really did an amazing and Sarah and the the design team, everybody did such an amazing job in this episode. We're gonna talk a little bit about the design team when we get to the actual dresses. Yes. So yeah, we're back on the campaign uh, trail. Buffy's talking to some jocks and she's then switching her better snacks for Holly's lousy ones, only to then have Cordelia come in and switch out Buffy's snacks (laughs) for whole snack baskets. Yeah. (laughs) And it all ends in Willow agonizing over who to vote for as she stares at the posters. You vote for your best friend. Exactly. So it's been pointed out that the jacket Buffy's wearing seems to have no owner. 
And Xander was entitled to one as a member of the swim team. So people keep asking, is it his? And I don't think it is, because no way would Cordy have let that happen. Oh, no. So I'm going to propose a theory, and it's a little off to the side, but I'm going to propose it anyway, that I think the jacket belongs to Gage, or it did belong to Gage. Okay. That sometime in their very short friendship, after she saved him from Pangelis, he lent Buffy his jacket, and then he turned into a fish monster, and she never got the chance to give it back. Okay. I like that idea. Yeah, right? Because I liked Gage and Buffy's, like, very short friendship. Yes, yes. It was, it was a very, it was, it's very sad that we didn't have Gage longer. I know. No, more Wentworth Miller would not have been sad. I know. I know. But you know what? He went on to bigger and better things and he is doing just fine. This is true. Back to Willow, who turns away from the posters only to run into Buffy. She's jumpy and awkward, telling Buffy that she looks great. Is she great? Buffy tells Willow to relax. It's okay. They're best friends. She's not going to hold it against her that she's helping Cordy. Willow says she's not a friend, though. She's a dog. A rabid dog. She should be put down. Okay. There are forces at work. Dark, dark forces. Okay, calm down, Willow. We're mad at you, but we're not that mad at you. Buffy gets it. She understands. Clearly, those forces are more important than all they've been through together. Or the number of times she saved her life. (laughs) Damn, Buffy. Oh, Buffy's. You know what? I'm with Buffy on this one. (laughs) What does she want? 15 minutes alone with her computer in Cordelia's database. Okay. Yay. They take a seat and Buffy tells Willow that she spoke to the limo people and it's all set up. So I was going to be mad at Buffy for a sec because damn, this is manipulative. But then I was like, wait a minute. Her boyfriend just broke up with her and she is the one organizing the whole limo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no one gets any sympathy for me. No, no. So she does mention in this conversation that and it's a conversation that the German twins are listening to that the limo is going to pick up Faith, then her, then everyone else. This will be important later. Absolutely. This this explains a lot of why everything went down the way it did. But in the meantime, what does Willow's database say is her weakness? Walking with Jonathan, Buffy says she's always felt a kinship between them. <laughs> to which Jonathan replies, Cordelia gave him six bucks, which will buy a lot of cupcakes like the one he's eating. The scene switches to Cordy here, but apparently in the original script, Buffy tells him that if he votes for her, she will beat him up. He agrees and she says, tell his friends. Oh, Cordy is going for the nerd vote, doing the Vulcan death grip with a bunch (laughs) of Trekkies and claiming that she's been doing such since she was four. Buffy approaches and says she's really resorted to buying votes. Cordy doesn't think it's any more tacky than Buffy's faux, I'm shy, but deep campaign posters. Buffy assures her it is a lot more tacky. I would have liked if Buffy would have came over and done the death grip on somebody. Cordelia? Cordelia, yeah. Uh, So before we continue, do you want to explain what the Vulcan death grip is? (laughs) I Sure, I absolutely will. So for those of you who may not know, the Vulcan death grip comes from the original Star Trek series, Mr. Spock, doing a pinch on the neck that will instantly knock somebody out. (laughs) That's the easy way of... Of describing I, yeah, I think it. that is the easiest way of describing it. Yeah, like, and I, I just, um, one of the things I always love about the Vulcan death grip is just the idea that this calm, this calm race just has a way of knocking people out just by walking up to them and pinching a spot that instantly makes them crumble. But I mean, we, we do see that 
also on Xena. Yes. Xena yeah. has the, the nerve point that yeah. she can hit. Yeah. It's just, it's all about nerves and. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We should see Buffy do that to someone. I really would have liked Buffy to come over and do that to Cordy. Or even, even like to one of the other nerds just to prove yeah. that she actually knows how to do that. I think that would have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I keep, you know what? It's one of those things where anytime I watch this episode, I keep thinking about it happening and I know it's not. You know, Cordelia doesn't think this whole Buffy trying to be her is funny <sighs> anymore. Buffy was never trying to be her. And when was it funny? Cordelia doesn't think it's fair that Buffy's pathetic need to capture her glory days is splintering her vote. It's okay, so like, Cordy. Buffy just hit her. Okay, Cordy. Just hit her. <clears throat> Cordy. Buffy, rightfully so, asks her how she thinks it's okay to talk to people like that. Does she have parents? Oh, oh, oh. Cordelia's uh. answer made me see red. I am so mad. I had to pause the episode and walk away. Yeah. I, I this I was so angry. It makes me so mad. It's just because she tells Buffy that yeah. She has two of them, unlike some people. That is never okay. And y'all, y'all know, you yeah. know, this is my own personal trauma. Oh yeah, yeah. This, this, both of both of us grew up in single parent households for for different reasons. This is, oh yeah. So we we talked about it in nightmares, and it looks like we're gonna talk about it again because this moment and the reason I saw so much red at this moment is this moment took me right back to fourth grade. So uh, not so fun story time. Fourth grade was two years post my parents' divorce when my own personal little mini Cordelia, who like we were never actually friends, but whatever, uh, told me that nobody wanted me to go on the Girl Scout camping trip and that I should just go home. But oh wait, I didn't have a home to go to. <sighs> Because, you know, having only one parent means your life is in shambles and you're living under a bridge like a troll. <sighs> so, so yeah, this line hit me right in the tragic backstory. Yeah. And I really wanted Buffy to break her nose. She, the fact that Buffy didn't, like, lash out at Cordelia over this, I commend Buffy for not. Because that, it, it's not okay. It, like, that is always something that is used against people for that that only have one parent. Yeah. And Buffy obvi and and in Buffy's case she has two parents that actually love her. Yeah. They just happen to not be together. Yeah, like Hank Summers is going to turn out to be a douchebag down the road. Yeah. But at this point, he's still pretty active in Buffy's life. Yeah. Like, we saw that after the first season, she went and spent almost the entire summer with him. Yeah. Like, it's... Oh, God. Yeah, like, there's there's so many things that I'm angry about at Cordelia. But the fact that she used that as a uh -huh. blow is the worst. It's the worst. So and let's talk about wanting to recapture your glory days. Oh. Like... Calm the fuck down, Cordy. You're also trying to recapture your glory days that you had before you were friends with Buffy and the Scoobies. Yep. So, Cordy, you can fuck all the way off. 
Cordelia's brain isn't even connected to her mouth, is it? Cordelia tells Buffy to do them both a favor and stay out of her way. She goes to push past Buffy, but Buffy grabs her hands. Don't ever do that again. Cordy tells her she's sick. And Xander and Willow, who have just arrived, try to de-escalate the whole thing, saying maybe everyone should calm down before someone says something they don't mean. Oh, well, Cordy already said some fucked up shit before you yeah. guys got there. So, yeah, you know what? Late to the conversation. We are we are way, way past people saying things. Yeah. No. Cordy calls Buffy a crazy freak. And Buffy, Buffy says something to Cordy that we will again not be no. repeating because of the weaponizing of certain words against teenage girls. Yeah. But Cordelia is outraged. What did she call her? Xander pulls Cordelia away as Willow says, this is the worst thing that has ever happened. Ever. Willow and Xander are now in Willow's room discussing the situation. Or rather, Willow is discussing they're discussing. The they're discussing two separate situations. Xander thinks they're talking about something else entirely and tells Willow that he knows. But when he sees her now, <laughs> it's like he's looking at her for the first time. She's talking about Cordy and Buffy. <laughs> oh, yeah, him too. What are they going to do? They have to do something. This is all their fault. Xander wants to know how she got from chick fight to all their fault. <laughs> Simple. They felt so guilty about the fluke that they overcompensated by helping Cordelia and spun the whole group dynamic out of orbit. Like they're just this big meteor shower heading for Earth. Xander tries to get her to calm, saying all they have to do is put their heads together because one of them there is pretty darn smart. And he is just in hell. He thought being a senior at last <laughs> and having a girlfriend at last would be a good thing. Why isn't it a good thing? He notices Willow staring at him and asks what? It's just sometimes when he's falling to pieces, his mouth does the cutest thing. Their hands meet, fingers intertwining, and Willow asks, what are they going to do? Xander says they just need to get the two of them communicating. Willow this time was talking about them. It's the night of the dance, and Buffy, looking adorable as always, steps out of the house and heads towards the limo. Super cute. Climbing in, she finds not Faith, but Cordelia, who looks pretty disgruntled about the whole arrangement. When Buffy asks where Faith is, Cordelia hands her a letter. Turns out the gang decided they needed the ride over to school to work things out. So they all ditched the limo to give them time. And P.S. It wasn't cheap. So, you know, get your <laughs> shit together. I like I like the letter. I really do like the the note. I do, too. And you know what? As mad as I am at Cordy, she looks fantastic, too. Oh, she looks so good. Seeing the flower box beside her, Buffy says they bought them corsages. All Cordy says is she took the orchid. <laughs> OK. I do like this moment between them. We then see that the limo is being driven by one of the twins. Putting an earpiece in, he pulls out of the drive. So just a note on Buffy and Cordelia's dresses. Uh, like I said, we're going to talk about the design team. They were designed by the costume designer. Yep. So Cynthia designed both these dresses. And Buffy, at least, her dress was inspired by a dress that Rita Hayworth once wore. Yep. We see the limo as it goes along a winding road. Cordy and Buffy arguing. Cordy doesn't see why Buffy's making such a big deal out of it. She's not making a big deal. It's fine that Cordy took the orchid. <laughs> Good, because it goes with her complexion better. Buffy agrees that it does have a sort of sallow tone. The limo stops and Buffy says, finally. Because neither of them noticed it took an awfully long time to get to the school. You know what? Um, They were arguing and being mad at each other and just being pissed. And I, I, I can understand why they might be a little distracted. 
I also wonder if it wasn't something like they thought that the limo driver or the gang like told the limo driver to like to drive. Out. Yeah. So they have time to talk. Yeah. So that that's another thing like they could have been told to because they have the limo for a certain amount of time and they were supposed to pick up the other kids. So probably what they said was just drive around for this amount of time. And yeah, these two know. need to talk. Yeah. Yeah. They hear the sound of the driver's side door closing and then footsteps as someone runs off. Quickly, confused, Buffy climbs out of the limo, as does Cordelia. They're in the forest. Deep in the forest. Cordy says the guys can stop with their jokes now, but Buffy doesn't think it's a joke. As she's just found a TV set with a VCR attached and a note that says, Play me. How very Alice in Wonderland of Trick. Buffy presses play and a message from Trick begins, welcoming them to Slayer Fest 98. (laughs) And telling them that from the start of the tape, they have 30 seconds, now 17, to run for their lives. As the message ends, Cordy begins talking to their unsealed assailants, asking them, how stupid are they? (laughs) Buffy's a slayer. She's a homecoming queen. Oh, Cordy, they don't care. They don't care. No. The TV and VCR blow, setting off several other small explosions, and the pair runs for it. Back at the dance, Willow and Xander stand around while Oz and the Dingoes play. Faith shows up and asks what the two of them are so mopey about. Mopey? They're not mopey. They're grooving. The music. Oz is very talented. And he wrote that song just for Willow. Looking around, Faith spots Scott dancing with another girl. Declaring him a sleazebag, (laughs) she heads off right as Giles pops up. They must find Buffy. Something terrible has happened. (laughs) No, no, just kidding. He thought he'd give them a scare. He looks so cute. (laughs) He's so cute. He's so proud of himself. You know, we don't get we don't get enough Giles in this episode. And we do not. Giles in this the scene at the dance is just so adorable. And like, look, okay, Anthony's smile. When he smiles, Uh he just is so it's so good. He just he wants to find the finger sandwiches. He he just like and and like I and I know okay you know thinking about the fact that how much older John like I love the crow's feet when he smiles. Oh yeah, that is cute. He's just okay. Look, we know people. We didn't get to talk about Giles much in this episode, so we, don't. we had We're to talk t- about him so much next week, though. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Containing excitement. Ooh, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta contain it. We gotta save it okay. for next week. Also, here we have another school function happening at the Broads. <sighs> what? Yeah. It's so weird. I just, for once, I wish we could see the person who owns the Broads because I feel they are a fascinating character. I think there's some sort of supernatural creature. Oh, they've got to be. They're not, you know, maybe not a vampire, but just something because all these. All these dances and then all of the attacks that they have. Right? Yeah. Buffy and Cordelia are still on the run. Cordelia is saying that she has an idea. They talk to these people, explain she's not a slayer, and they let her go. As she's explaining this plan, Buffy almost gets herself caught in a bear trap, but her slayer reflexes allow her to pull her foot up fast enough to avoid it. They do catch the attention of the hunter, though, who fires on them. Pulling Cordelia down with her, Buffy avoids the shot and then picks up the now-closed trap and flings it at the hunter. He stumbles back into another trap and (laughs) Buffy grabs his gun. It's what you deserve. She can let him out. Or he can put a bullet in his head. How many of them are there and what are they packing? For a moment, it seems like he's not going to answer, but then Buffy cocks the rifle. There's him, 
two Germans with machine guns and grenade launchers, a yellow-skinned demon with long knives, and two vampires from Texas who call themselves Gorch. And that's everyone. Everyone out in the field. Germans are wired. Their boss is back at home base. Now get him out of there. Cordelia wants to know if he can do her a teensy favor <laughs> and just tell his friends that she's not a slave before she can finish two of Spidey Headed's knives <laughs> in bed in the tree next to her. With a scream, she's off. And we're back at the bronze with Giles, who is by the punch bowl, having located his sandwiches. Faith slinks by and goes over to Scott, greeting him with a, hey, honey. Good news. The doctor says the itching and swelling should go down in a few weeks, but they got to keep using the ointment. Then she turns to his date with a hi, leaving him stumbling for something to say. She heads off her work done. I love. Yes. I love that moment. I just, uh, as complicated as my feelings for Faith are, I do love this moment. Yeah. She's got Buffy's back. And I think you can see in these moments, these early episodes, how she did want to be like Buffy. She wanted to be part of this team. Yeah. And to have real friends and a watcher that cared for her. Yeah. Well, another watcher that cared for her. As it was clear, her first watcher did care for her deeply. Yeah. Yeah. And it's why it makes me so mad that they did Faith and Buffy so dirty. Yeah. And it just, you know, where we where we go from here... It does. It makes me mad because she could have been better. She could have done something different. And I know like they again, they do it for plot reasons. Yeah. I mean, you could not have Faith end up where she ends up and have her and Buffy have this deep bond. But I I just feel that it's so insanely unrealistic. And I understand I'm using the, the term unrealistic on a show with vampires. I know. Yes. That after Faith is like, my watcher was killed in front of me by this ancient vampire. Buffy wasn't like, oh, shit, let me tell you a story. Yeah. Because that's not something that you don't say. Yeah, that happened to me, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is so much that Buffy and Faith could have bonded over. Yeah. Like, it's just it's crazy. It's crazy that we never even get the implication that they have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you can't have you have to keep Faith isolated and keep her just on the edge for her to go over it. Yep, yep. But this moment at the at the the homecoming dance where she just comes up to to Scott is oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Turning to Willow and Xander, who are now moping in theater seats by the stairs, Giles says he suspects the finger sandwiches have actual fingers in them. (laughs) When that doesn't get a response, he says he's going to retreat to the library until the coronation. He wants to be here when Buffy, well, when whatever happens, happens. Giles is just so sure that Buffy is going to win. I love he is such a proud dad. He is. He's a proud dad. That's a slayer. And how could she not win? I just, I love it so much. I know. He also tells Willow and Xander that it was a fine thing they did, putting Buffy and Cordy together. Then, handing Xander the sandwich, he leaves. So he's going all the way back to the school. Yes. I mean, yeah, he probably does have a good hour or so till the coronation, but still. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? It's weird. Well, this is great. They did one fine thing. And Xander remarks that they've been gone a long time. They must be really getting into it. (laughs) You could say that. The two of them having found an abandoned cabin, barricading the door, Buffy begins closing the shutters slash curtains and telling Cordelia that she needs to find a weapon. Cordelia laments that she's going to die. Yeah, she is. (laughs) She just stands there going to die. And she's never going to be crowned homecoming queen. She's never going to graduate from high school. 
She's never going to know if it's real between her and Xander, or if it was just some temporary insanity that made her think she loved him. And now she's never going to get to tell him. (laughs) Buffy tells her she is. They are going to get out of there, and they are going to head back to the library, where Giles and the rest of the weapons live. And then, Buffy is going to take out the rest of these guys in just enough time for Cordelia to congratulate her on her sweeping victory as homecoming queen. Oh, guys. Cordelia sees what she's trying to do. She thinks that if Cordelia gets mad, she won't be scared. Well, it's working. Give her a weapon. (laughs) Cordelia searches some drawers. Buffy asks if she really loves Xander. Cordelia says he grows on you. Like a chia pet. She grabs a spatula and joins Buffy at the window. That's it? A spatula? (laughs) Yeah. That or the telephone. The telephone. Telephone. And she didn't think that would be useful at all. No. (sighs) Because the spatula is better for hitting things than oh. Oh. Bless your heart, Cordelia. We check in on Trick and the German's boss, who tells us that we're about to see why Daniel Boone, <laughs> as he calls the hunter, and the demons are things of the past. Getting a lock on the phone signal, he shuts it down, right in the middle of Buffy's message. Back in the woods, the hunter is still trying to free himself from the trap. Finding him, spiny-headed guy offers to cut his leg off. When he says no, spiny just shrugs and goes along <laughs> his way. I do like that he offered to help. Yeah, yeah, because it's, you know... We're, we're, we're not working together, but I'll... Uh, we'll help you. We'll help you out. Following their boss's directions, the two Germans begin to close in. That's when we see Giles in the library getting Buffy's message. Bet he wishes he hadn't joked about there being trouble now. <laughs> Back in the cabin, Cordelia and Buffy wait. Cordelia wants to know why is it that every time she goes somewhere with Buffy, it always ends in violence and terror. Welcome to her life. Cordelia doesn't want to be in Buffy's life. She wants to be in her life. There's the door. Buffy tells her she's free to walk out anytime. All Cordelia wanted was to be homecoming queen. Yeah? Well, that's all Buffy wanted. She spent a year's allowance on her dress. Cordelia doesn't get it. Why does she even want to be homecoming queen? She has all this. Yeah. And this is all she has. It's all she does. Cordy wouldn't understand. She thought, homecoming queen. One day, she could pick up a yearbook and say, she was there. She went to high school. She had friends. And for one moment, she lived in the world. And there would be proof. Proof she was chosen for something other than this. Oh, Buffy. Besides, she looks cute in a tiara. <sighs> this moment. Um, I love the echoing of the sentiments we hear in Prophecy Girl. And especially in the movie. Yep. Because Buffy just wants to be like other girls. And she wants to have the same things they do. She wants to live. She wants to be a teenager. She wants to leave her mark, which when you think about Slayers in general, this conversation gets very tragic. Yep. Because in most cases and with most Slayers, it's not going to be her that's picking up that yearbook years down the road. Nope. It's going to be her mom or her friends, the people she left behind. And like she said, it, it shows she was there. And that she existed and that she did things. And I just, I got very emotional over this. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I, I always feel for Buffy. She's just, like we've, we've said, we've said since the beginning, she just, she wants to have it all. She wants to be she the, does. she wants to be the girl. She, cause she knows she can't get out of being a slayer. She tried. No. She, yeah, tried. She, she tried. She tried. She went to another city and she still yeah. had to be it, the slayer. It never, you know, it never, it'll never end, but she wants to be able to do other things. Yeah. 
And she should. She should be able to do other things. Absolutely. She should be able to have other things. She has friends. You know, she goes to the bronze. She yeah, except her friends weren't being very good friends. Oh, they were being awful friends. It's awful fine. friends. It's fine. It's fine. They'll we'll get better. will be over this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll. Yeah. Except I would be the person that would be like, hey, you remember that time that you didn't support me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Before either girl can say anything else, there's a sound outside. Cordy asks if Buffy hears something right as spiny headed guy. Yeah. Rushing through the window. He tackles Buffy and the two roll. Getting up, Buffy grabs some antlers off the wall and begins fighting him off with those while Cordelia begins hitting him with the spatula. <laughs> you know, as mad as I was at Cordy throughout this episode, I. This was a great moment. This was a great just moment. like banging on him with the spatula. Because it's. She's she's trying. She is. She's not cowering in a corner like she normally would. Like she's actually trying to do something. Buffy calls her attention to the gun, but after she misses and hits the wall, Buffy decides she's better off with the spatula. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't give Cordy a gun. Don't give a gun to somebody who doesn't know how to use it. And while this fight is going on, the Germans are still advancing, their boss telling them to prepare to launch. Once the targets are in position, they do just that, sending a small missile-type grenade into the cabin. Seeing it, Buffy grabs Cordelia and they jump through a window. Spiny-headed guy tries to do the same, but hits the shutters. He falls beside the grenade right as it goes off. Farewell, spiny-headed guy. Bye. We, you, we, we, know you, we knew you so little, but you will live on in our hearts. You will. Outside, Buffy tells Cordelia they need to get back to the library. So this is what I'm talking about. Wherever they are, out in the middle of nowhere, it is walkable in heels to the Sunnydale Library? Who knows? I'm going to need you to add, draw us a map (laughs) to the list of things for Barney. I I think I've said that before. I'm like, we need to know a a map of this town. Like, give us- I need her to justify this geography. Because even though we have a map in the Slayer stats book- Yeah. It still makes no sense to me. No, it makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. Like, give me an actual map with topography. Yes. And tell me how all of this is possible. At the library, we're reunited with our old friend, Lyle Gorch. Oh, Lyle. He and Candy checking out the weaponry. Candy says she wants to be the one to kill Buffy. It can be her wedding present. Oh, Candy. That she wants to get revenge for what happened to Lyle's brother. Ma'am, that is because idiot boy got too close to a bazaar. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't really that... Buffy didn't kill him. Other than the fact that they followed Buffy to the school, which they decided to do. Yeah. Buffy had nothing to do with his death. Both of the Gorches are not the smartest. Uh, You know what? He probably just told her some dramatic story. Probably. To make it sound like it was a big fight and bigger than it really was. Bigger than he got too close to... This giant creature. Yeah. She wants to know when Buffy's coming. Lyle says she'll be there. Her watcher's there. As we see Giles unconscious again on the floor. (laughs) She just needs to get rid of some of their competition first. Back with Trick, we see the German's boss tracking Buffy and Cordelia as they head back into town. They got away? Trick's impressed. He likes these slayers. They've got character. (laughs) A knock then comes at the door and he says he'll take care of it. He opens it to find three cops who grab him and shuffle him off into a car, presumably to go see the mayor. Buffy and Cordelia arrive back at the school. Buffy says they've lost the Germans twice, 
But somehow they keep finding them. <laughs> if they can take them out and the gorges, they can still make homecoming. Delia thinks they're animals hunting them like some poor defenseless. She knows. Buffy says it's fine. All they got to do is find the... As she enters the library, Candy grabs her, slamming her into a wall. Candy does her best to take Buffy out, but Courtney tosses Buffy the spatula, which just so happens to have a wooden handle. (laughs) So while Candy does manage to get Buffy on the ground, Buffy manages to stake her. Lyle is furious. His wife, she's gone. He's gonna kill both of them. Cordelia steps in front of them. Done. Just done. Yep. She asks him if he has a dress to go with that hat. <laughs> He's spitting mad, but she doesn't care. What? He's going to gut her, play with her innards, whatever. She and Buffy took out four of his companions as well as his girlfriend. Wife. <laughs> and through all that, she never even broke a sweat. So if Buffy's just the runner up and she's the queen, what does he think that means about what she is going to do to him? Contemplating this for a moment, Lyle stares at her before departing with a Later. <laughs> you, you just go live your vampire life you know buddy. yeah yeah i have hope you'll find love again i i hope you'll find love and just just live your best vampire life go go find a ranch you may maybe go back to mexico where like just yeah live your best life and you know what i give cordy props for standing up to a vampire i mean it's not he's not the smartest vampire he's not the most dangerous he is not the smartest vampire but you know what good for you cordy so i do find it weird that cordelia says they took out all four when she and buffy just discussed the fact the germans were still at large but then again that whole speech is cordelia bluffing so yeah yeah and and also she's she's got a lot of stress right now and she's just saying whatever comes to mind things quiet for a moment buffy and cordelia sit in the library buffy tells cordy that this whole thing will teach them to ever mistake her for a slayer (laughs) giles says he can't help but feel responsible as he gave the others approval for changing up the limo plans i like that they asked giles i know like like they went to their dad and were like Hey, we want to make sure they're good. Do you think this is a good idea? Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that they, that again, Giles is dad. He is team dad. Buffy says it's fine. She and Cordy got to send some quality time together. Yeah. And they got cool corsages. Well, the corsages are nice. Giles doesn't remember the others mentioning anything about them. That's when Buffy remembers the hunter saying something about the Germans being hooked into a computer system. She turns the corsage over in her hands and sure enough, There's a tracker. This discovery comes right right as they hear a noise in the hallway, the Germans having found them. Cordelia quickly pulls the corsage off, saying they need to get rid of them. And Buffy says she needs some wet toilet paper. Yeah, because that will help. (laughs) Still taking directions from their boss, they creep along. As Buffy darts in front of them, they fire. Tracking the devices, the Germans continue through the hall and into a classroom. Or one German heads into the classroom, the other stays in the hall. Using the wet toilet paper, Buffy sticks the tracker to the backs of one of the Germans, which causes them to fire on one another, killing each other. Unaware of what has just transpired, their boss declares himself to be the winner. (laughs) So you said you want to talk about who the old man is. Yes. So he is never referred to by name in the episode, but he is played by Ian Abercrombie, who is had a huge huge career he's another brilliant british character actor 
He has been in everything from Get Smart, Babylon 5, $6 million man. He was on Wizards of Waverly Place. He was in Army of Darkness. But where I... Where I have hit, like, where I love him from recently and watching this episode, hearing his voice, he played Chancellor Palpatine in the Clone Wars series. Aww. And he he played Palpatine up until his his death in Aww. 2012. Well, they had they had stuff recorded before yeah. then. But oh, and he was also Alfred in Birds of Prey. Yes, he was. Yep. Yes, he was. I I loved the Birds of Prey show. Yes, yeah. Mary and I, Mary and I are big fans of Birds of Prey. Um, but yes, so he he had a brilliant career. But and at the end of it, he did Palpatine, which is just a brilliant performance of of Palpatine. Sadly, Mr. Trick isn't there to congratulate him because Mr. Trick is in the mayor's office. <laughs> the mayor is pleased to meet him and invites him to sit down. Mr. Trick just wants to know what the fuck is going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the look on his. That's that's his attitude in the whole scene is like, what the fuck is happening? Who are you? But he sits as the mayor points out that it's a very exciting suit that he's wearing. <laughs> Trick says the clothes make the man. True. But Trick is not a man. Not really. The mayor tells him how he's been the mayor for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And he likes things to run smoothly in his town. This year's a very important year for him. Election? Something like that. Trick says, if this is the part where the mayor tells him that he doesn't belong, doesn't fit in in his quiet little town, he can save it. Trick heard that long before he became a vampire. I want to know when Trick became a vampire. I know. I looked it up just to see if we ever get any more like background on him and the comics and stuff. And we don't. We don't get no. any more background on him. No, I feel like with Trick, like it might have been like the 50s or 60s. Uh, yeah, I think it I think it was because the way, you know, he frames a lot of his conversations, you know, I mean, and, and I live I live in Levittown, which is was at that point the same thing. Like it was a very segregated community like you didn't have it was it was more segregated in the we quietly don't allow these people here. Yeah. So a lot of the way that he he phrases things really makes it feel like he is from the era of the of you know civil rights movement at least. Yeah. So no, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like he would have been part of that fight just by a lot of his his comments about it. Like if he was if he was from the slave era, his commentary would have been a lot different. That's but true. his conversation with with Wilkins here about if you're going to tell me I don't belong here and how, you know, he heard that before. It does. It time. does kind of ring of like directly pre-civil rights. It feels. Yeah, it feels very, very pre-civil rights. The mayor just asked if he has children. Children are the heart of a community, the future. They need to be taken care of, protected. And the more rebellious element, they need to be dealt with. He repeats, children are the future. <laughs> they need them. He needs them. I love <laughs> how this is segwaying right into the next episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Trick says, if this is about the rebellious element, that may be taken care of this very night. The mayor heard. He loves it. Genius idea. Slayer fest. It's the kind of thinking he needs on his team. Trick wants to know, what if he doesn't want to be on the mayor's team? Oh, no. No, no, no. That won't be an issue. The two of them, they're going to get along just fine. Moist Talette. The mayor, like we said earlier, everything about these initial conversations is perfect. And this is all the reasons why the mayor is just one of the best villains. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and one of the best villains, period. Oh, yeah. Because he doesn't come off as being a villain. No. You couldn't look at him and say, that's a villain. Yeah. And and like, you know, people in the community have met him before. People, you know, people who don't like we're going to say the people who don't work directly with him don't know how terrifying he is. Like he just comes off as this goofy. Actually, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Ted. Yes. Yes. He yes. reminds me a little bit of Ted in that old fashioned. Uh-huh type of attitude toward a town but yeah he's he's and it just makes him all the creepier especially as more and more is revealed about him oh about yeah Wilkins. we're gonna learn a lot about the mayor as we go on so excited to get to wilkins we go back to the dance a final time where cordy and buffy have finally arrived with giles and just in time for the announcement of the homecoming queen. As they join the others, Xander asks, what did they do to one another? It's a long story. Got hunted. Okay, not that long. Buffy says that one does not want to mess with Cordelia. And Xander nervously chuckles as he agrees. Devin begins to open the envelope and Cordelia turns to Buffy. After everything that happened tonight, this whole queen thing seems pretty damn important. <laughs> oh yeah. He looks in the envelope and it seems they have a first in Sunnydale High history. A tie. This year's homecoming queens are Michelle and Holly. <laughs> Good for them. Cordelia and Buffy just stare as the two other girls make their way to the stage. As they begin their speeches, the two just turn and walk away. <laughs> Unbelievable. The end. Good for Holly and Michelle. Yes, very good for Holly and Michelle. Yeah. But, you know, they were probably just campaigning and being nice to people. Yeah, while, without like, like, hey, drama. yeah, yeah. Without fighting. Yeah, they were probably like Cordelia and Buffy were probably just being so overbearing. Oh, yeah. That they're like, we don't want that. We want these two who aren't being bitches. And who aren't like in our faces all the time. Yeah. Like I know all the time, like when people like send the mailers during election years, I'm like, if I get one more flyer from you, I'm not voting for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because just, oh my God, stop. Like I, I'm already going to vote for you, please. Yeah. Just chill out. Just cool it. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time when we take on season three, episode six, Band Candy. Oh, oh, finally. Possibly along with everyone we've ever met. Yeah, we're going to we're going to basically have a panel. Yes, we're going to we're going to we're going to see how this goes. I know Jackie's joining us next week. Yes. Um, I'm going to see if some of our other friends who have Miss, been very excited about this episode. Mr. Froggy. I'd like feel to be really here bad for him. If it's going to be like five girls and him. Oh no, he's fine with it. Okay. He's, he's, just, he's okay. He's okay. And no mitigating the, the first yeah, river. No, he'll, he'll, he's, he's, he, I think he wants to be part of the panel. Okay. Yeah. He, I'm excited then. I, I like I said, just 
gonna have to whew, so much yeah. thirst is gonna go on but i am i am excited for him to to join us for this very crazy episode yeah so until then check out our various social media channels all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchstiries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye.